Good morning. I want to welcome you to worship today as we all gather, not here in community, but as we gather uh, in our individual homes, uniting in spirit and uniting in hearts to lift up the name of our God this morning. It is good when God's people come together. It says where two or three are gathered, God is there. And so the image I have is right now in your homes and in your houses, uh, as you gather, the presence of the Lord is there. And I can just see your praises and, and your worship going up to God and throughout our whole community and through all our city. God's name is being lifted up and there God is inhabiting those praises. And what a beautiful thing that will be this morning as we declare who God is uh, in each of our homes and that he is number one over all of our lives. I think we certainly learn through this season that it is God alone who we need to depend on. We can't depend on our own health. We can't depend on our own bank accounts. But there is only one that is constant for us, and that is our God. And so people of God, in this morning, our help is in the name of the Lord who has made the heavens and the earth. I want to, again, welcome you here. I'm glad you have joined with us. I hope this has been a blessing to you to, to be with us each and every week. I want to give a special um, thanks to those of you who have continued to remember to give to Orchard Hill. Uh, thank you for that because our ministry is continuing. And in many ways, it's continuing um, even in a greater capacity as the needs are increasing in the community around us. So I just want to encourage you to continue to put God first, continue to be generous as our God is generous, and uh, continue to give to him. Uh, I encourage you to go to our Orchard Hill Church website and just go to the giving link at the top of the page and you can get on electronically. That's probably the best way to give. You also may mail it in, that would be fine. Uh, unfortunately, you can no longer stop in and say hi and give it to us because we've had to close our uh, building down at least through the uh, 15th or 18th or one of those days and my guess is it'll probably be even expanded, um, extended beyond that time, unfortunately. So uh, please continue to support us. Uh, we're continuing to be on the front line and doing ministry. I was so proud of Orchard Hill this week showing up and uh, so many of you participating to help feed the kids from Kennewa Hills School. And so ministry continues. We continue to be the church in this time and in this season. And uh, so it is great the ways that many of you are, are continuing and living out your call to be the church in this difficult season. Before we uh, worship this morning, which is going to look a little different because we are keeping our physical distance from one another. And so our worship this morning will be led uh, from the Heisinga home. Wendy will be there to lead us uh, in worship. And then we'll come back to uh, Orchard Hill, Hill here for our message uh, following that worship. And uh, we just hope that you'll be able to gather together uh, your family by then and, and be able to lift up your hearts and praise and worship God in, in that way. Let's uh, join together in prayer and then we'll worship God. God, we thank you for uh, being able to come together this morning, and we praise your name, and we celebrate your name. You are so good. Even uh, in this season, uh, God, which we've never walked through before, uh, we've been able to see your goodness in our lives. We've been able to see your goodness and see your love and see your compassion uh, pour out of people as they care for one another and as they love one another and as they are concerned for one another. And we thank you that we can love because you have first loved us. And God, we pray that we would keep our minds and hearts and our affection on you. Because as I said earlier, if anything we've learned, it's the things of this world that we cannot count on. They disappear. They fade away. But you, our God, are consistently our rock. You are consistently our fortress. You are our strong shelter. You are the one 
who we can turn to at all times and in all places. And so in this day and in this time, we turn to you and we ask that you will continue to keep our church family healthy, those that are struggling with illness right now, God, that is the great physician, you would, you would uh, uh, heal them, that you would bring restoration to their bodies. For those in our church community that are on the front lines serving as nurses and doctors and physicians, treating patients, and, and as that continues to rise, God, we just pray that you would strengthen them and give them stamina. We too ask that you will be with our leaders, with our governor, with our president, with others that are put in positions of leadership, that they would have the, the right information and they would come to the right decisions. So Holy Spirit, guide them as they lead our country in how we can best navigate through this season of, with this virus. Father, we know that uh, at the end of the day, that as the psalmist says, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And today we celebrate that, God, that, that nothing can separate us from your love. And we thank you for your love and we love you. And now we just pray that you will inhabit our, our worship and our praises uh, as a token, as a measure of our love for you. We pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. People of God, let us now worship our Lord with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. Good morning, Orchard Hill. No matter where you are this morning, whether you are home alone or gathered at home with your family, let's get ready to worship together. Let's ask God to open up the heavens.
for your presence in this place right here where I am and your presence in every home that is gathered. Um, God, thank you for all of the ways that you show yourself to us. You are so good. It is amazing to think that um, you can meet every person right where they are. God, we are in awe of you. And we thank you, God, that you provide every need that we have. Um, we trust you. You are our hope. You are our joy, our comfort. You are peace. You are so many things, Lord. Thank you for guiding us. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for all of the ways that you will show yourself to us in this hour and in this day. We worship you. We praise you. We give you all of the glory. And we pray it in your name. Amen. Before we sing our next song, I just want to share with you that familiar verse from Psalm 23. This is what the Lord says to us. The Lord himself is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. We serve a good God, a good shepherd.
Our Bible reading this morning comes to us from John chapter 20. We're going to be reading verses 29 through 31. John chapter 20, verses 29 through 31. Then Jesus told him, that would be Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Then John goes on to write, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Signs tell us important things. When we're out driving, we pay attention to signs because the signs tell us whether we can enter or not enter. Signs tell us which way we can turn, if we have to yield or if we have to stop. Signs tell us how fast we can go. And so in driving, as in other areas of life, signs are very important. And in the book of John, which we've been looking at the past few weeks and which we were to have a grand drama of this morning, but the, the virus certainly took care of that, it's a book about signs. In fact, signs organize the structure of the book. If you follow uh, the book of John, you will see that from chapter 1, uh, verse 20, all the way over to 12, verse 50, comprising the public ministry of Jesus, this narrative is all built around signs. Now, when I use the word sign, I mean miracle. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they 
each have miracles, but they refer to the miracles in Greek as dunamis. Dunamis means power. And so they use the miracles of Jesus to show the power of God breaking into the world, coming into earth, and that's the dunamis, the power of God. See that miracle? That's God at work. But John, when he refers to the miracles, he calls them in Greek, simian. Simian means a sign or a token. A sign is something that points to something beyond itself. It's, John is saying, here is, here is the miracle, but that's not what it's about. I want you to, to look beyond that miracle to see what it's pointing to. And so every time John uses a sign, it's to point us to something else beyond it. And you'll notice in the book of John that he has selected seven signs. John has done this intentionally because we know from, from John's writing, he said, uh, there are many other signs Jesus did in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded. So there was this pool of narratives of, of miracles, and there are others that are recorded in Matthew and Mark and Luke. Uh, so there was this huge pool of miracles that, that John had access to, but he says, I chose these seven. He was an intentional choice. And notice that seven in the Bible is always a perfect number. And John says, I'm taking this perfect number of miracles, these perfect number of miracles, and I'm going to use them as signs to point them, to point you to a greater reality. And I want you to look at these signs. Well, what are these signs pointing to? Let's take a look at them. There are seven of them, and, and we, we don't have time this morning to look at all seven well, actually, I guess because we do have time to look at all seven of them this morning. We really have nothing else to do. We're all locked in our homes, and so, all right, okay. We won't look at all seven of them in detail this morning, but I hope you will. I hope that you'll take the opportunity to read through the book of John and maybe for devotions this week when you've got some extra time and read these miracles to, to really mine them for the depth of what's going on. This morning, we're just going to take a, a high-level view. We're going to do a flyover over of these miracles just so we can get a sense of, of what John is starting to point us to. And so the first miracle we find is in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Jesus changes the water into wine. Jesus was at a wedding, and they were having a crisis, the biggest crisis you could ever have. They ran out of wine. You never wanted that to happen at your wedding, but it happened at this wedding. And so Jesus' mother implores him on behalf of those who are hosting the wedding to do something about it because it's a huge embarrassment for them. And Jesus, after a little give and take, finally uh, turns his attention to ceremonial water jars, we are told, that he turns his attention to them, these ceremonial water jars, which obviously were filled with water, but they were used in the Old Covenant to purify God's people. The water from these jars was used to, to wash, to clean, to cleanse, to make yourself holy before the sight of God. And so Jesus turns towards these jars, representing the, the old covenant that is holding this water, and he changes that water into wine. And what kind of wine was it? They say it was great wine. It was the best wine. It was the finest choice wine. And so what we see here is we have wine, which represents the new covenant. Remember at the Last Supper, Jesus held up the cup and he said, this cup 
is the new covenant. It is my blood which is shed for you. And so as there is a contrast being drawn here between the old covenant, which is run out, the old covenant, which is, which is dry, and then the new covenant, which is offering life and vitality and joy. And the question becomes for us then, how is God going to bring this new covenant? If the new covenant is coming, how is it going to come? We move on to the second sign. It's the healing of the centurion's son. We see that in chapters 4, 46 through 54. The centurion was a Roman soldier who was in, in charge of a, a hundred soldiers, and he has a son who is sick. The son is on his deathbed. He's not getting any better. He knows the only hope is to go to Jesus, the one that he heard of who, could, who heals people. And so the centurion goes and he meets Jesus. And from a distance, Jesus says to the man, go, your son has been healed. It's an amazing thing. From a distance, Jesus is not anywhere near the boy. This is no way could this be any kind of magic trick. No way could uh, Jesus be up um, uh, just uh, doing um, something you know, tricky to, to uh, manipulate things, but rather, this is, a, this is power from a distance that Jesus is demonstrating. From a distance, he is able to heal a boy who is a ways away from him. And the question becomes then, who can do that? Who has the power to heal over uh, time and distance? We move on to the third miracle, which is the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. It's found in chapter 5, verses 15. This, this man has been, uh, he's been lame for 38 years. And when your life expectancy is only about 40 years, this is his whole life. He hasn't been able to walk. He's been by this pool. He's been an outcast. He's been helpless. He's been hopeless. He has really not been able to experience life to the fullest at all. And in a moment, Jesus looks at him and he says, rise, take up your mat and walk. And we read that immediately the man was made whole and he walked. Immediately, like that. He was able to walk. Jesus took what was hopeless and he brought hope. Jesus took what was dead and he made it, and he, and he, and he made it alive in the man. Jesus took uh, despair and he turned it into joy, just like that, in an instant. And we ask ourselves, who can do that? Who can do that? Then we move on to the fourth sign, which is the feeding of the 5,000. We read about that in, in uh, the sixth chapter, verses 6, 1 through 15. The heading says the feeding of the 5,000, but it's not too hard to imagine if there were children and there were women there that this was more than likely the feeding of the 10,000. Jesus has drawn a crowd. This is the high point of his career, if we will, his public ministry, and people are flocking to him to hear his teaching and to hear uh, and to see his healings. And so this large crowd is gathered around Jesus, and there is a problem. <coughs> Excuse me, and that problem is that they're hungry, that they need food. And so Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, you feed them. They go, well, we, we have nothing. Find what you can. 
And they found what they could, which was a, a small lunch that a boy had with some barley loaves and some uh, more like uh, fish relish that they had to put on the, on the loaves. And Jesus took that bread and he blessed it. He gave it to the disciples and they began to hand it out. And they kept handing it out and kept handing it out and kept handing it out until everybody was fed. And we read there was 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Jesus took what was absolutely nothing and turned it into something. He took what was scarcity and he turned it into abundance. Who can do that? Who can take nothing and turn it into something? Who can do that? Then we read along in chapter 6, we read the fifth miracle that Jesus walks on water. The disciples headed out in their boat, and as so often happens on the Sea of Galilee, the, the cool breeze comes over the top of the mountains and drops down, which is like 600 feet below sea level. It churns up the water. The winds and the waves are churned up, and the, and the disciples are out there in their boat, and they're rowing against the wind, and they're rowing against the waves. And, 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 and while they're out there in the darkness and the wind and the waves are rolling, they look in the distance, and there's somebody walking on the water towards them. They think it's a ghost. They, they think it's some kind of apparition. And, and they keep looking, and, and, and pretty soon they realize that it's not a ghost. It's not an apparition. But it's Jesus who, who looks at him. He says, do not be afraid. It is I. Jesus was walking on the water. Who, who can walk on water? Who, who can do that? In chapter 9, we go to the sixth sign. The sixth sign is the healing of a blind man. And it's interesting to note that this blind man was blind his entire life. It wasn't a casual illness. It wasn't something that he got when suddenly he was a teenager and his sight started to fade. This man had no sight from the beginning. His, his little eyeballs never worked. He was unable to see anything. They were, they were unfunctional from the start. He had no sight whatsoever. And Jesus tells the man, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And the man goes, he washes in the pool and his sight is restored. Jesus brings sight where there once was blindness. Who can do that? Who does that? And then we read the seventh sign in chapter 11. It's the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus was dead. He had been in the tomb for four days. There's no bouncing back from that. You are dead. He was wrapped, he was sealed, he probably was even starting to decay. And he's in there, and Jesus stands in front of this tomb, and Jesus just talks to his Father in heaven, very calmly, confident that God has already done what he asked. And then Jesus, just with a word, says, Lazarus, come out. And we read in the scriptures that the dead man came out. The dead man came out. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and brought him back to life. Who is able to bring somebody back to life? For 2,000 years, John has been, been putting these signs in front of, of, of people and saying, look at these signs. Do you see them? Do you see the jugs that are, are filled with wine? Do you, do you see the little boy who's getting off his, his bed? Do you see the, the basketfuls of, of, of food that are, that are left over? Do you see one who walked on water? Can you see a, a, a healing, a blind man who can now heal? Can you see a, a dead man walking out of the grave? John says, look at these signs. Look at them. Do you see them? 
And John presents these signs, and he, he's like a good lawyer, and he's bringing the evidence. He brings one sign, and then he piles another sign, and he piles another sign, and he piles another sign, until finally he's got all seven piled up, and he says, look at the evidence, and I want to ask you, who can do this? Who can do these things? See these signs? Who can do them? What do they point to? Who can do it? The answer is God. Only God can do those things. And if only God could do those things, then who is Jesus? Jesus is God. Jesus is God. John says, that's it. I rest my case. And he says, I put these things in here, he says in chapter 20, so that you might believe. So that you might believe, and by believing you would have life in his name. That's the tension we get in John. We read John and it was written for a specific purpose. I'm showing you these signs, I'm presenting this evidence, and my question is to ask you, do you believe? Friend, I wanna ask you, do you believe this morning? Do you believe that Jesus is God? Do you believe that Jesus can help you in your situation? I don't know what situation you're in, I don't know what struggle you're going through. I, I don't know what difficulty you're facing. I know this virus has brought on a whole new series of struggles that we have. We're, we, we're anxious about, about our health. We're worried about our financial uh, future. Uh, we're concerned about where we're gonna get our groceries from. Uh, we have all kinds that we're, we're, we're tired of being sheltered and will this ever end? And, and we have so many questions and so many wonderings and, and we have so many struggles and issues that we're going through. And where do we turn? Is it possible that there was somebody who could help us with our anxiety? Is there someone who could help me with my worries? Is there somebody who could provide for me? John says, look at the signs. What's the answer? The answer is yes. There is someone. And that someone is Jesus. And who is Jesus? The Son of God. Do you believe? Will you turn to him? God, we thank you for these words that have been preserved here for us so that we too, even though we haven't seen, we can read and look at these signs and we may have faith and we may believe and we may be blessed. And today, I just want, God, I just wanna ask that you would pour out your blessing on this community and all those who are listening as they sit in their struggles, as they sit in their, their worries, as they're dealing with their cares. God, that they would believe and turn to you and be blessed knowing that you can deal with it knowing that you can win the victory, knowing that you have the power over nature, knowing that you have the power over death itself, knowing that you have all the power that is needed to accomplish whatever needs to be done in this world. And so God, we turn to you in this day and ask that you would take what we have, what we're concerned about, and you would carry it because we know you are the one, because you're the son of God, in that we believe. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. I want to thank you for joining us this morning here at Orchard Hill. I hope that you've been blessed. Uh, I just want to remind you that next week uh, we are going to move into uh, Holy Week as we celebrate Palm Sunday together. Uh, our gatherings are going to look a little different because we won't be gathering. So our plan is to find ways that we uh, can experience Holy Week uh, with our families and in our homes. So we'll be sending you out a guide and, and we'll also be providing some uh, video devotionals each night of Holy Week to guide you towards that great day of Easter. So be watching uh, your, your Facebook, be watching your email. Uh, I hope that uh, you've, you've been able to access those things. Uh, if not, make sure that you contact us at the church office. Uh, you may go to our website, www.orchardhill.org, and make sure you contact us so we can keep you on the mailing list, keep you informed of what's going on so you can keep your faith growing and that you can keep uh, just loving God more fully uh, during this season. If you're a guest, again, we invite you to come to, the, come to the website. Let us know that you were listening. You can even let us know on Facebook right here that you were listening, and we would love to reach out to you too. And of course, you can uh, always submit any prayer request you have. We're continuing to pray for you all. We're continuing to lift you up, and uh, we just ask that God will continue to bless you through this time. So thanks for joining in, and uh, be safe, be well, and uh, have a good day uh, together. And all God's people said... Amen. Amen. We'll see you later. Every step